Today's reading is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, which Jesus was coming that way. Now, since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, came down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're looking at our series, as Pete and Ruth said, we're looking at the final in our series of things that Jesus came to do. And I'll take my mask off. Um, that's one of the, we're looking at one of the things he came to do. And what the thing we're looking at today is verse 10. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's one of the big things that Jesus came to do. But what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus came to seek and save the lost? What does that look like in practice? Well, how many of you have read or watched a version of Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol? I'm sure most of us have probably watched multiple different versions on TV in our time. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and just speak to them for a minute. What's your favorite version of, or your favorite TV version of A Christmas Carol? Or if you haven't watched it, the other person next to you can explain what it is. Just spend a minute doing that. Maybe let's start drawing those conversations to a close. We'll come back together. Hands up, who said Muppets Christmas Carol is their favorite? I thought there'd be more than that. I don't know, maybe there's some Patrick Stewart fans amongst us or the old 60s musical. Um, yeah, Muppet's Christmas Carol is my favorite version. Through Gonzo taking the role of the narrator, the film manages to retain many of the original quotes from the book. And I think best of all is Michael Caine, who maintains that poker face. I mean, any film with Michael Caine in it is automatically great. But he manages to maintain that poker face as if he's, ta- he's on a sort of realistic Shakespearean set or something the whole way through, even when he's shouting at rat puppets or throwing out, you know, bears and all sorts of things. Michael Caine plays it straight the whole time. I just, what a superb actor he is. A true Christmas classic. But of course, the best thing, the best thing about the story of A Christmas Carol is the way it presents a clear-cut case of repentance and redemption. Ebenezer Scrooge is the main character, isn't he? 
or Ebenana, as the Aldi advert has this year. And Ebenezer is a rich man who gained his wealth through meanness and injustice. He's a man who nobody likes. He hates Christmas. He hates being generous and kind and anything that goes with it. You keep Christmas your way, nephew, and I'll keep Christmas mine, Michael Caine shouts. Yet he wakes up on Christmas morn a completely changed man. A miracle has taken place in his heart. His attitude to the world is completely changed. And that change in his heart is shown by the way he completely changes his attitude to everyone around him. He raises wages. He dishes out gifts and money. And he goes to dinner with his family, living out the spirit of Christmas every day in his heart. What a wonderful, Christmassy, happy ending. And if you were wondering where Charles Dickens may have got inspiration for such a story and such a character, you need look no further than our passage today. Because Zacchaeus is the original Ebenezer. Zacchaeus is the example of what it looks like for Jesus to seek and save the lost, as our verse 10 says. Our passage tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector in the city of Jericho. And as a tax collector, he was doubly disliked. Firstly, he was working with the hated Romans who ruled and oppressed the Jewish people. So that made him a traitor, according to the rest of his friends and neighbors. And secondly, he used his position as a chief tax collector to become rich by charging people more tax than they really needed to pay so he could line his pockets with what was left over. He was basically stealing from the poor to make himself rich. So you can imagine, can't you, what people thought on that day when Jesus came to town. Here's Jesus. He's built up quite a following by now. People have heard of his miracles and the things he says. And here he is. He's come to Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. And as he walks through the crowd, he stops. He looks up. And he bestows a special favor on this man, on Zacchaeus, by offering to go to his house to rest and eat with him. Imagine the faces of the crowd. These people in Jericho who know what sort of man that Zacchaeus in the tree is. Imagine their excitement at first seeing this Jesus, this important figure, this miracle worker. And imagine that excitement turned to a sense of shock and revulsion as they realize who he's decided he wants to spend his time with. Of all the people in the crowd, Zacchaeus is seen as the worst. Zacchaeus is literally, he's an outcast in the community. He's the traitor. He's the one who takes money from the poor so he can be rich. Everyone hates him because of what he's done. You can almost picture the crowd of people looking up at him in the sycamore tree and thinking of him in exactly the same way as Charles Dickens describes Ebenezer Scrooge. There he is in that tree, that squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, secret and self-contained, solitary as an oyster. Just love that quote. There he is up in that tree, that short man who thinks he's above everyone else. Zacchaeus is an outcast to the community. And he's not just an outcast to the community. That's what you might think of as sort of the horizontal relationships. On a horizontal relationship level, everybody hates Zacchaeus. 
But there's also the vertical link. He's lost before God too. That vertical link, that most important link between humanity and God. Zacchaeus is utterly lost there too. You see, just like Ebenezer, despite all his wealth, Zacchaeus is utterly lost. He's stolen money from the poor to give himself luxury. He's oppressed the weak to make himself strong. He's utterly and scandalously sinful. And so he's utterly lost. His link with God, utterly broken. Both the horizontal link with others and the vertical link with God is utterly broken. He's an outcast and he's lost. Do you ever feel like an outcast? Do you ever feel like you don't quite belong? Like others must look down on you or dislike you? Do you feel like the one who never quite fits in? Well, our passage is good news for you. Or maybe being an outcast isn't an issue for you, actually. You're quite popular. You get on well with everyone. Maybe instead you feel alienated from God. Do you ever wonder if that thing that you've done or the way you've lived your life means that you just can't ever have that right relationship with God that you wanted? Do you feel that your link to God is broken and that there's no way that you can fix it? That you're lost? Well, there's hope for you too. There's hope. Because of all the people in that big crowd, Jesus walks straight up to Zacchaeus and invites himself to his house. Verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Look at the way Jesus speaks. He doesn't give Zacchaeus an option. He commands it. I will stay at your house today. Come down here. He is seeking out Zacchaeus and calling him to himself. And look, the miracle happens. See, in a Christmas carol, it takes the appearance of four different ghosts, at least two of which scare Isabel. Four different ghosts to turn to Ebenezer and to change his heart. But Jesus is the word of God. With one command, Zacchaeus repents and believes. Verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus has offered Zacchaeus salvation. He sought him out and offered it to him. And Zacchaeus has turned with joy to Jesus. The word of God is irresistible. And Zacchaeus embraces it with joy. The crowd, what do the crowd do? Verse 7, they mutter and murmur. We will come back to them. But Zacchaeus' repentance is real. His changed heart, his gratitude to Jesus, and his desire to live for God flows out into joyful actions. In a Christmas carol, Ebenezer dances round his bedroom, sends a monster turkey to the Cratchit family for their dinner, and raises Bob's wages. But what does Zacchaeus do? Well, it's verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus now has a heart of gratitude and generosity. 
And he has a heart to obey God too. You see, paying back four times, that's not just a random figure that he's plucked out of the air. In Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, God says, if anyone steals a sheep, they're to pay back four sheep in kind. We see that um, in 1 Samuel 2, or 2 Samuel it is, um, King David knows that same thing and he pronounces judgment, give back four times the amount. So Zacchaeus here, he's repenting of his sins and he's turning to obey God. And he's not doing it like it's some kind of chore, but out of joy and delight in being saved. In exactly the same way, Ebenezer gives the turkey, gives the raised wages out of joy and delight. Zacchaeus, out of joy and delight, puts the things of God first. So we see, we see that Jesus' words to Zacchaeus have saved him. Zacchaeus has repented. He will no longer live as the notorious sinner, but the man who gave generously, who freely gave to others as he freely received forgiveness from Jesus. See, Jesus was only passing through Jericho. He was already on his final journey. He was on his way to Jerusalem, to his triumphal entry, to his arrest, to his trial and his death. Not so long after this meeting, Jesus will be nailed to a cross. And in his death, he will give life to all those who believe in him, all those who he has sought and who have come to him. In his death, he will take the punishment that we all deserve. And he will open the door to a restored and a renewed relationship between God and his people. Zacchaeus, you, me, anyone who trusts in him, And holds on to his word. See, Zacchaeus is no longer lost. Jesus has found him. He saved him and brought him back to God. No one, no one, not Zacchaeus, not anyone, is too far gone for Jesus. Hear his words. Let him find you as he found Zacchaeus in that tree. And let him call you back to God. Because he came to seek and save lost. Well, that's the vertical status fixed for Zacchaeus. His lostness, the most important thing, that has been fixed by Jesus. But what about that other thing, that horizontal status, Zacchaeus's outcast status? His being rejected for his working with the Romans and stealing money from the poor to line his own pockets. Well, well, look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house Because this man too, even this man, even Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. See, Jesus uses this language here that he doesn't use in any other place in Luke, in any other comparable situation. This man too is a son of Abraham. Jesus is using the language of the Old Testament to talk about the special people of God here. To be a son of Abraham is to be one of God's chosen people, one of his children, Israel. Jesus is saying that Zacchaeus has gone from being outside the people of God to one of God's chosen people. You see, salvation in Jesus means not only forgiveness from sin, but it means being given a new status. It means being given a permanent identity for all those who believe in him, the right to be called children of God. 
When Jesus seeks and saves us, he brings us into a new relationship with the Father. We're not only forgiven our sins, as amazing as that is, but we are embraced. We are embraced as his children. We are no longer outcasts. We are loved and cherished children of our Father God, adopted into his family. But what about the crowd? Jesus has sought out Zacchaeus and saved him. But what about those other excited people of Jericho that came to see Jesus? Verse 7 is all we hear of them. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. In verse 9, Jesus declares Zacchaeus a son of Abraham. In verse 10, he makes it clear that Zacchaeus has been saved because he seeks and saves the lost. But what about all those other people in the crowd? the muttering murmurers. They grumble at Jesus' decision and then we hear nothing else about them. The implication here is clear. They don't think that they need saving. They don't think that they're lost and so they aren't saved. How about you? Maybe you're here today and you've never thought maybe before that you might be lost. Maybe you feel that you're kind of getting along perfectly fine without help from anyone. Maybe you feel God will surely let you into heaven because, you know, you're good. Or at least you're okay. Or, you know, you were baptized as a child and you don't really need Jesus. You could do it yourself. Well, if that's you, I'd just, I'd just ask you to take a look at the crowd. They thought they were fine. They thought that it was okay that they were sons of Abraham because they'd been born into the right place. And that it was Zacchaeus over there, it was him, the bad guy over there, who was lost. But at the end of our passage, the roles are reversed. It's Zacchaeus who is found, who has been sought and saved. And it is the crowd who are left lost. Turn to Jesus. Don't end up like the crowd. And if you're a believer here today, do you recognize Zacchaeus' reaction to the work of Jesus in his life? Do you remember what it was like before you became a Christian? You see, Zacchaeus gives away half his wealth and says he'll give back four times what he's stolen. And in doing so, he becomes the perfect example, the perfect example of the camel that goes through the eye of the needle. Because you see, in the last chapter, the chapter before this one in Luke, a rich young ruler walks away sad after talking with Jesus. He's unable to follow Jesus because he just can't give up his love of money. Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to be saved. And yet he holds out hope. He says, everything is possible with God. And lo and behold, one chapter later, take a man who everyone hates who has made himself rich through love of money, through squeezing the poor, through betraying his people, and he's saved. And the first thing he does is he turns away from the love of money, the thing that that rich young ruler couldn't do. And that doesn't mean that he gives away all of his wealth, that he has to give up everything and live like a hermit. But he gives away half of everything he has out of love, out of love for Jesus. And he says he will pay back everything he has stolen four times over. And it shows that he no longer loves that money. He loves Jesus. He loves God more than that money. Have you given up worshipping things in your life 
that you loved more than Jesus, more than God? Can you see where with the Holy Spirit you are winning that battle over those things that you hold to too much, those things that you love more than God? Whether it's money like Zacchaeus or food or drink or relationships or a myriad of other things. What areas of your life have you seen be transformed by Jesus? Be encouraged by those things, friends. Be encouraged where you look back now and see how God has transformed your life in Jesus. And where do you need to be joyfully turning away from something more and turning to him? Just like Zacchaeus. And finally, how can we be showing that in Jesus we're no longer outcasts, but brothers and sisters in Christ? Hospitality. Hospitality is one of the easiest and simplest ways to do that. And with Christmas just two weeks away, what better way to show that than by inviting into your house an international brother or sister at Christmas? (laughs) Full of joy. Christmas is a great opportunity to offer hospitality to those far from home. I'm just reading now one of the notices. It's in your notices. We may hear about it more later. If you're interested or you want to find out more, please email hosting.manchester at friendsinternational.uk. This is to host an international student, someone who's here over Christmas and isn't able to be with their family. If you're interested, email hosting.manchester at friendsinternational.uk. The cut-off date is the 15th, so you've got three days to think about this and sign up, guys. And if you are an international student and would like to be hosted, please, number one, sign up to the Free Friends International app. Number two, click on local link and complete the form. It's especially important to give a postcode. And number three, under hobbies or interests, please put Christmas hosting. And that's one thing we can do. That's one very specific things we can do. But why not be making the most of our Christmas time together, these two weeks or so over Christmas, to spend some time with folk in church? Maybe folk that you don't know so well, or, or maybe folk who you know are struggling. Folk who you know may live alone and may feel that particularly at Christmas time, or folks who have lost their loved ones and may be feeling that particularly at Christmas time. Let's not try to assume that everyone's got it all together, that everyone's sorted, or that because we're sorted, we know they will be. But why don't we just offer? Just send a quick text message or send a quick email. See if people uh, might be up for it. Show in our hearts that all those who trust in Jesus are no longer outcasts, but are our cherished brothers and sisters, cherished children of God. Ultimately, our passage says, everyone is lost. Everyone needs Jesus, and he is the one who seeks and saves. That's who he is. That's what he does. He seeks and he saves the lost. And when you're in him, you're a cherished child of God who will never be an outcast, never be alone, never unloved, but part of one big Jesus-following family. Amen.